The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Man, what a busy show we have today. Pup list, COVID list, unfortunately. A nice quote about Miles Sanders. Maybe something about Josh Jacobs here. Are these year two running backs going to take over fantasy football? And the topic of today's show, the big topic, everybody is a bust. Okay, so what does that mean? We did this last year. We looked at like the top 20. I think we're going to aim for the top 24 this year and make a bust case for all of them. What could go wrong for the elite players that you're taking in rounds one and two? It is Monday. It is the first week of August. Position previews begin this week with quarterback on Thursday, tight end on Friday. We have a live auction that we're doing on the air and on Twitch. I'll tell you more about that. Guys, I am excited. It feels like football season. What's up, Jamie? What's up, Heath? How are you guys doing? Doing great. How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I uh, If you're watching on YouTube, I uh, I am okay. I promise. <laughs> it looks uh, where I am right now. I've uh, changed my settings. I need a, I need some wall art. I've got a very boring backdrop, but... But it's to be determined, apparently. Yeah, wall art TBD. I've got some ideas. So you just, just to make it clear, you spent the time to make that sign instead of just putting something on your wall. <sighs> yeah, I, I printed out a sign... It says Wallart TBD. Um, YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. I've got a few things. I've got this. We're going to take out of the casing and put up. These are giant Super Bowl tickets. I've got uh, a Knicks thing, and I'm going to order one more thing. But until I order it, I'm not putting anything up. But anyway, anyway. Let's put your Beckham jersey up. Oh, I could do that. That's not a bad idea. I could do that. I wanted to get a fat head, like the most random fat head of like a fullback or something, but they don't make those, unfortunately. Um, all right, let's start with, uh, oh, by the way, we're Tom try- 43rd birthday today. We're gonna, happy birthday. We're going to try to talk about the flex draft. Jamie and I participated in on Saturday. How about, like, we did this with other industry analysts so out of the CBS bubble. And uh, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, round two picks. That really surprised me. But it was good to get some different perspective and kind of draft with other people. Uh, I want to start with this quote of the day. It wait, is wait, from- hold on. Before you get there, Heath, you'll, you'll appreciate this, what Adam <laughs> Adam did. He's about to draft Tyler Lockett, and he asked the room full of other fantasy analysts, hey, so uh, which guys do you like better, Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? Well, I said I'm going to draft Lockett, but I'd love to know who would you guys take here, Lockett or Metcalf? They're both on the board. I took Lockett, and it was, you know. There are some consensus. places that uh, that'll get you punched in the mouth for talking about players that haven't been drafted yet. I had, come on! I had the I had the swing picks. There's no way Lockett was going to make it back to me. They were both on. No, the board. but what if somebody I mean, was four, four picks away and was hoping for DK Metcalf, and then you brought up that you think they're really close, and then somebody oh. takes that. Actually, did happen that somebody took DK Metcalf and said, "Oh, Adam probably talked you into it." <laughs> yeah, right. All right, but I wish I had taken Miles Sanders because this is what Deuce Staley, the Eagles running back coach, said about Miles Sanders. I'm excited about Miles. 
Uh, I'm excited about handing him the full load. Or no, I'm excited about him handling the full load. I don't see Miles as a guy. <laughs> I have a blinding light in my face and I can't really see right now. <laughs> I don't see Miles as a guy that you have to monitor his touches. I think you put him in and you let him go. Heath, are you sold now on Miles Sanders? I don't know why. I, for three months, I've had Miles Sanders as a top 15 pick. And you act like I have something against him. I, like the one thing this made me think was because I moved Clyde Edwards Elair up not quite as high as everyone else did, but still into the definite first round. And I have Miles Sanders higher in non PPR, but I do have Edwards Elair higher in PPR. And I'm not really sure that makes any sense. There's no question, in my mind at least, that the lower floor out of those two would be Edwards Elair, the guy that we haven't seen play in the NFL yet. And I'm not sure there's really much difference in their ceiling. So th- this quote, while it's encouraging, it is coach speak. And we don't know that it necessarily means he's going to get more than 65% of the touches. It does make me think I, I might be a little silly for having Clyde ahead of Sanders. Okay. I only brought it up because when Ross Tucker was on in our most recent show, that's, you know, he called you out on your Miles Sanders ranking and you brought up the split. So I just thought, you know, I was kind of piggybacking off of that. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, all right. And then Jamie, I know I uh, you had something that you wanted to mention about Josh Jacobs, right? Uh, well, I just mentioned it to you, but I can mention it here. Sure. Um, the Athletic, uh, I think it's Vic Tepper. I, I hope I'm not pronouncing that incorrectly. Apologize. Um, who covers the uh, Raiders for the Athletic in his mailbag was asked if Josh Jacobs would maybe see more work, I think was the question, or more work in the passing game. I forget how the question was phrased, but his answer was that John Gruden according to his sources, was really uh, upset that Jacobs did not win Rookie of the Year last year, and he is out to prove that he should have won the award by going, he's going to give him more carries and more catches. Again, that's the second uh, beat writer who covers the Raiders to suggest that he's going to see more catches. Their personnel moves this offseason don't necessarily reflect that because of what Lynn Bowden's, uh, Bowden, I, I don't know how we're going with his last name, but um, uh what his skill set probably projects at as, as a guy who's going to catch the ball. Obviously, Jalen Richard, as we know, two years ago was great for them catching the ball. Last year, DeAndre Washington had a role in the passing game. So Jacobs, who uh, didn't play, I think, on any third downs or didn't have a target on any third downs, excuse me, um, and and was limited in his receiving totals. Um, you know, we've said this time and time again, 30 would be a nice next step. Uh, anything above that would, I think, be a bonus. But uh, you know, he's he's clearly better in, in non-PPR than he is in PPR, but he's going to be one of those guys, I think, that you have to decide. For me, it's between him and Derrick Henry and, and Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon, the guys that aren't elite-level pass catchers yet. Um, you know, you're going to have to depend on some significant rushing totals, and hopefully Jacobs gets there. All right, we got a lot more to get to today, including the LaShawn McCoy signing and what that means. Want to promote a few things. From now until week one, we're going to be streaming twice a week on Twitch. We're going to have a mock draft every Tuesday and a camp recap and an AMA and Ask Me Anything with an expert on Thursday nights. It's going to be Tuesday nights, typically at 7 p.m. Not quite, not this week. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, twitch.com slash FF today. Tomorrow or Tuesday, whenever you're listening, Tuesday 3 p.m. this week. We've got a, a big, big Twitch stream. You're going to hear it as a podcast. Not all of it, though. We're doing an auction with other uh, analysts from around the industry. Uh, Marcus Grant of NFL Network is going to be one of those analysts. 
We have live on-screen results, mid-draft analysis, auction strategy talk, all that. So that's Tuesday at 3 p.m., twitch.com slash today, And then Thursday, the AMA with Dave Richard. You can ask him anything. What should people ask Dave Richard? Guys, what do you think? I mean, the obvious question is going to be, you know, pizza, because he's a big pizza guy. Um, maybe Chicago stuff, wrestling stuff. We got to get something different. Like, ask him why he hated, why he hated his birthday prior to <laughs> always, always, turning yeah. 40. Um, all right, so that's on, on Thursday at 7. Tuesday at 3, though, is the auction. Follow along there. And we're back on CBS Sports HQ, noon Eastern, Monday through Friday, CBS Sports Q app or CBSSportsHQ.com. Um, so thank you for letting me promote those things. Now, yeah, we got a fun show today. We have uh, Shield Kapadia on from the uh, Eagles. And uh, we'll talk to him, obviously, about Doug Peterson. Hopefully he's okay, you know, coming down with uh, reportedly um, coming down with COVID. Um, do you say that coming down with uh, contracting COVID? Yeah. Um, Either way. So hopefully again, Peterson's okay. You know, she'll give us some insight on there. We'll talk Miles Sanders, um, you know, about what Deuce Daly said and uh, maybe get some clarity on this receiving core for Philadelphia. All right. So I really wanted to draft Ronald Jones in the flex league. I think it was like 60th overall. The end you got of, mad. Was it? No, no, no. It couldn't have been 60th overall. Um, that's the end of round five. Must have been the end of round six, I believe. 72nd? Is it was right? the end of round six, right before you. Okay, so he went 71st. I was going to take him 72nd. Instead, I took Marlon Mack. Um, but with LaShawn McCoy signed to a one-year deal, Jamie, what's the impact of that on the Bucks backfield? I don't think you should completely panic on Ronald Jones, but this is not a good sign that you know, uh, a veteran coach with a veteran laden team, especially with a quarterback who again, just turned 43, um, that they bring in a 32 year old running back who has a obviously hall of fame pedigree. So, you know, for Jones, who as Dave, you know, talked to his trainer and, you know, seems to be doing all the right things to, you know, secure himself as the guy there. Clearly this is an indication that the coach staff does not feel the same way. If you go back to 2015 with Bruce Arians, when he was the coach of the Cardinals, he had a third round running back in David Johnson, who ended up being the best guy on the team by the end of the season. He had a guy coming off a productive year to a certain extent the year before in Andre Ellington. And they bring in Chris Johnson right before the season. And Chris Johnson ended up being the, the leader in carries to start the year until he got hurt. So what's the same setup? They have Ronald Jones who has been disappointing, but coming off a, a decent year, uh, drafted Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round and now bring in a, an aging veteran. So, I hope history doesn't repeat itself. I hope Ronald Jones is the guy. I think 71st overall in a half PPR league is, is a good spot for him. Round six, I think, is a good spot for him. Uh, we had a fun argument on CBS Sports HQ following the news last week where Heath started the conversation by saying he would take Devin Singletary because we were talking about the Bills. Singletary over Ronald Jones. Uh, I agreed with Heath because I would take Singletary over Jones. Obviously, Adam, you do as well because in that draft, you took Singletary in the fourth round. And... Uh, and Dave said he would still take Ronald Jones. I don't get that personally because I think, you know, Singletary is on a winning team that's going to run the ball and showed last year that he's better than Ronald Jones already, at least production wise. So I would take Singletary, uh, uh, you know, and I, I posted a poll. It was like almost 75% said that they would take. I did Heath's uh, C results as well, just to make it happen. Excellent. Um, but uh, I posted a poll. It was like 70 some odd percent in favor of Singletary over, over Jones. Um, but again, I, I wouldn't run away from him. I just think that his value is clearly not going to reach the ceiling right now that we thought it could have been prior to this move. Yeah, I, I had Jones like a month ago, right about around running back 30, when I felt like, you know, I don't know between him and Keyshawn Vaughn which one it's going to be. I had them both pretty close. 
And as we kind of realized there was no preseason and training camp was going to be weird, I'd kind of dropped Vaughn. I'd moved Jones up to like running back 25, 24, right in that Devin Singletary range. And all I did, I didn't like bury Jones. I just moved him back to where I had him a month ago. And he's right around running back 30. He's a good number three running back that has the upside to be a top 20 guy. But there's there's risk. I mean, they gave 170 touches to Peyton Barber last year, and Peyton Barber was terrible. Averaged like 3.1 yards per carry. So telling me that LaShawn McCoy is washed up, that's probably true. I'm not sure it matters. So, so okay, so let me t- tell you the running backs that went just before Ronald Jones in this draft. And tell me if you'd take Jones ahead of any of them. Well, you know, it was a big gap. It was like David Montgomery went and then... Okay, Mark Ingram, this, Cam this Akers. was half PPR? Half PPR. Or? Mark Ingram, okay. Cam Akers, Raheem Mostert. You know, we start, you can start up to four running backs in this league. Okay. It's two so flexes. Two, flex two flexes. Uh, Mark Ingram, Cam Akers, Raheem Mostert, Ronald Jones, Marlon Mack. That was round six. No, oh, I missed I missed a couple. Uh, Ingram, Akers, I, this light, right? My Jeez. Ingram, Akers, Mostert, Kareem Hunt, DeAndre Swift, Ronald Jones, Marlon Mack. It's a lot of running backs in that round. My goodness. Yes. Does he belong there with Ingram, Akers, Mostert, Hunt, Swift, Jones, Mack? In this format, the only two that I would definitely take over him would be Mostert and Ingram. And I would, I have it ranked this way, so I would, I would take Hunt over him as well. Uh, I would take Jones over the rookies, though, just because of what Sean McVay said about uh, his running backs yesterday, that, you know, it's going to be a committee again. And then Swift, you know, just I, I think for Swift, Swift is, uh, it could be a league winner for you, but you know, you need that carry on Johnson injury to happen, I think, for him to reach the ceiling. Yeah, I, I agree. All the veterans should go before Jones and the rookies should go after him. All right. Uh, more big if news. This was the right spot, Adam. I think if you would have got him, it would have been a good pick. Um, you know, Marlon Mack obviously is going to be dependent on how much Jonathan Taylor plays or doesn't play early in the season. T.Y. Hilton is on the non-football injury list with a hamstring injury. And they're saying it's not a big deal, Heath, but he's dealing. he's been dealing with nagging injuries. He's 30 years old now, I believe, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, is this a big deal to you? Not yet. I'd kind of built in some concern. Now, I, it's a bigger deal because he has a new quarterback that he's trying to build a relationship with uh, and timing and all those things. But I'll probably, like with a lot of the guys that have gone on the COVID-19 list, I haven't done anything in terms of their projection yet. I'm going to give them a week. And I'll probably, because I'll probably give T.Y. Hilton a week. And if it's a week from now, 10 days from now, then I'm, I may ding him just a little bit. All right. And Antonio Brown is suspended for eight games. So, Jamie, just give me a quick thought on what that means, and, and we can move on. I'm kind of tired of talking about Antonio Brown, but he's suspended yeah, I mean, I, it, it means that if you're going to draft him, you got to have a deep bench and, and be able to either stash him as a suspended player on an IR spot. You know, we're going to clearly have some commissioner changes with uh, what the COVID scenario is, that people are going to add IR spots to their league. So, you know, if you're able to stash him there, then he's worth drafting. But if you can't, um, then it's hard to carry a player like this for eight games. And, you know, go back to last year with Kareem Hunt when he has eight game suspension, there's clearly a difference. Hunt was on a roster. He's a position that, you know, is clearly of, of need for us in fantasy. And he's not 32. Uh, Brown just turned 32. So um, you, you got to have a really deep, like dynasty leagues. He's worth holding, you know, uh, deep keeper rosters. He's worth holding. Um, I, I do think now that there's clarity, you're probably going to see some teams bring up his name a little bit more uh, now that they know what they're, what they're dealing with. But in a, in a redraft league, like I'm looking, I know he went in this uh, in this flex draft, Adam, but he went in, this is an 18-round draft. He went in round, I think it was like 16 or 17. Um, just tells, tells you, you know, where, I'm sorry, he went in round 18. Uh, first pick of round 18. 
Yeah. So that's the type of, you know, move you're going to make, you know, he's, he's a guy that if you could sit on him, if your if your team doesn't have a lot of injuries or, or, you know, needing some roster turnover, you'll be in good shape if he signs somewhere and, and is still the same type of guy. I don't think he's going to be the same guy, but um, you know, we'll see the, the, the next move is a transaction. You know, does the team sign? All right. So we will get to everyone as a bust very shortly. We'll have to tell you why Christian McCaffrey is going to be a bust. You know, what the, you don't have to listen. Uh, but is first, it, is it injuries? No, we, we're no taking injuries. that out. No injuries. Maybe Dalvin Cook, but other than that, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here's your COVID news. Gardner Minshew, Matthew Stafford, both on the reserve COVID-19 list. We don't know if this means they tested positive or if they've been in close contact with somebody who's tested positive, uh, but they're on the reserve COVID-19 list, um, along with Reichwell Armstead, uh, Anthony Barr, Minnesota linebacker, Jeff Wilson of the Niners, Mason Crosby and Jay Sternberger, kicker and a tight end for the Packers, Detroit cornerback Justin Coleman, Pittsburgh wide receiver James Washington. That's not necessarily a, a small deal. Jalen Samuels for Pittsburgh as well. And Miami left guard Eric Flowers, who's kind of a, a punchline as a left tackle, but turned his career around as a guard. Uh, we got a lot of time before the season starts, so let's hope these, these guys are on the men quickly here timetables are a little bit uncertain. We're learning a lot, I think, from baseball. But with Minshew and Stafford, Heath, what's your reaction to them being on the COVID, the reserve COVID-19 list? I, for now, I don't. Um, I'm not the Matthew Stafford one. I hope that he feels better soon and it's fine. But in terms of fantasy projections, I'm not changing anything. I'm a little bit more concerned about Minshew just because lack of experience, new offensive coordinator has a a new system he has to learn and the more walkthroughs he can go through the, the more polish I'd expect him to be at the beginning of the year. Hopefully uh, it's a quick recovery. Okay. So let's say you take this news into account and you're drafting today and DJ Chark is on the board. Are you moving him down a little bit? And let me just, I'll take a look at where he went, but uh, would you take DJ Chark or DK Metcalf? I would still take Chark over Metcalf right now, but it's very close. Yeah, I would take Chark as well. Okay, in the draft we did, it was in the flex league. It was flex league. It was Lockett to me, then Chark, then Metcalf, and then Lockett Jamie. Was an absolute steal. Then took McLaurin. Yeah, I mean, I thought so. 49th. I was. It, it's funny, man. There are people that are concerned about Lockett. You know, I guess just because Metcalf may be getting better and taking over the run first offense. It's almost like you know people forget about the first half of the season. We 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 do this a lot. People forget about how seasons start. Uh, David Johnson is a good example of that as well. He was, I think, running back eight through the first four weeks of the season in, in PPR. Uh, Lockett was obviously amazing, as we saw before that uh, unfortunate situation in that game in San Francisco where he, he had to go to the hospital. Um, you know, hopefully that's the guy you're getting. He's a very efficient, very good wide receiver that plays with a good quarterback. So Lockett was the 21st wide receiver off the board in this draft. And Tell me how you guys feel about this, but I feel like even if Metcalf takes that big leap and becomes an elite, like, top 12 wide receiver, I still think Lockett, this could be the year that they have two top 24 guys. It's never happened with Wilson. But this could be the year, and I because they're the best two that he's had, I think. Um, I mean, you could say Baldwin and, and Lockett, but I think, you know, at this stage in their careers, whatever. Uh, but I think Lockett doesn't need that many targets to be wide receiver 21. It's just, you know, that's kind of how I feel. So, I, I mean, I feel like that was a... Even if Metcalf is great, I feel like Lockett could still return value end of the fourth round. Thoughts? Yep. Yeah? Agreed. Totally agree. All right. Um, and uh, let's see. Opt-outs. Jacksonville defensive tackle Al Woods. Rams offensive tackle, tackle Chandler Brewer. Cincinnati uh, defensive tackle Josh Tupo. Marquise Lee for the Patriots. 
CJ Mosley for the Jets. That's a big one. Um, Jamiz Olawale for the Cowboys, their fullback. And Buffalo cornerback EJ Gaines, who missed all of 2019. This round of opt-outs, not as big as some of the ones we've had in the past, but Mosley's a big deal, though he missed time last year. Maybe Olawale. I mean, the Cowboys like using a fullback. Um, yeah, I think I would they, say- they have like four guys on the roster, though. Okay. Um, and Marquise Lee, like, probably wasn't going to have much of an impact, but that does, like, they already had Sony Michelle and Muhammad Sanu starting on the pup. Um, so that's like they're, yeah, it, really <laughs> short on players. Rough offseason for the Patriots. If they can, if they can win the division this year, that would be, that would be pretty, that would be pretty amazing. Like, they're, I don't think on paper they're even close to the Bills right now. Am I crazy? Uh, I think you're crazy. Well, they That's lost Hightower and Chung, though, you know? On and, they're paper, le- and they're starting right tackle or left tackle, Marcus Cannon. On paper, is Cam Newton healthy? I don't know. Because if on paper Cam Newton's healthy, then I think that they're like they're not as good defensively, but I think they're probably better offensively. Really? It, I, 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 would, I would lean toward Cam, but wouldn't you say a healthy Cam at 31? Is probably on par with the third year Josh Allen. I see. I think running, yes, but like even though when Cam was not great as a passer, he was better than Josh Allen has been. And the last time we saw him, he was completing sixty-eight percent of his passes. So, oh, I'm I'm with you. I I, yeah. I think it's a fun conversation though because you know you have a guy that's hopefully ascending versus a guy that's clearly breaking down. You know, so I I wonder where people would probably go. I think you know probably most most people would lean toward Cam, but it it's probably something that would be fun to discuss. But but I forget it, like not forget about Cam, but he's not the only player on the offense. I think the rest of the players favor the Bills, the skill position players. Well, yeah, I mean now you have Michelle Hurt, you have Muhammad Sanu Hurt, you know, and that's the guy that Cam has thrown with the most this offseason. Um, Lee not there, Cannon not there, so that's the offensive side at least for now. <laughs> and then you go to the defensive side. And oh my God, yeah, yeah. no high tower, no Chung. That's those are big. The Patriots are a bust. All right, everyone is a bust, starting with Christian McCaffrey, the top 12, according to, I'm going with Fantasy Pros ADP today. We'll mix it up a little bit. Coming up, uh, as soon as we get back from this quick break, we'll tell you what could go wrong for Christian McCaffrey, for Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and the rest of them. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual-wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603. For complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Christian McCaffrey, man. 2,392 total yards, 19 touchdowns, uh, 3.7 more fantasy points per game than Derrick Henry in non-PPR. 8.6 more fantasy points per game than Dalvin Cook in PPR. That was Dalvin Cook was number two per game. Uh, yeah, he's going to be a bust right now. We'll, we'll, we'll give you the case against everyone. What could go wrong for these players? Uh, all right. What could go wrong for Christian McCaffrey Heath? Uh, I actually wrote this article and it's on cbsports.com the case against, and I like, I think there is a chance that the new coaching staff doesn't want Christian McCaffrey to play a hundred more snaps than any other player and decides not to give him 400 touches. I do think that his touchdown production could regress a little bit. What I said was he could lose 400 yards and six touchdowns off last year pretty easily if he just went to a little bit more normal usage, still high usage, but a little more normal for an elite back like the Saquon Barkley Ezekiel Elliott usage. And then that probably doesn't make him the number one running back in non-PPR. I'm not sure how he busts in PPR. You know, Jamie, when we talked to Ross Tucker on Friday – he, you know, former offensive lineman, was was kind of concerned about teams that have new coaching. I think he was talking about new coaching staffs and whatnot. And I just think it's funny that um, the top two picks have new coaching staffs, McCaffrey and Barkley. How big of a concern is that to you? Um, it's a it's a concern. I mean, it's, it's not only that for McCaffrey; it's a new quarterback. Yeah. You know, so it's you know, two new things that are 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 clearly something he has to adjust to. Um. I do think that this is a system that will benefit him, you know, based on what Joe Brady showed us in college, especially as we continue to talk about Clyde Edwards Hilaire and the numbers that he put up. So, you know, pass catching running back in his offense clearly was successful. But, you know, he he said it, Matt Rule, I wrote the story on Christian McCaffrey for our magazine. And, you know, I, I think the 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 comment that Heath is referring to was Matt Rule said he wants to use other guys. Now you look at this backfield. Jordan Scarlett and Reggie Bonifon, I think, combined for 24 touches in their careers. They have um, Mike Davis too, right? Uh, they do have Mike Davis, but he's not a lock to make the final roster. So if you just look at, again, looking at their depth chart, the top two guys are, are clearly youngsters that don't have a lot of experience. So if Mike Davis is on the roster, it changes things. But um, And then the addition of Robbie Anderson, you know, so now you have three pass catchers that, you know, adding a proven guy that has spent time with, with Matt Rule. Uh, Ian Thomas, you know, if he stays on the field, maybe he's, at this stage of his career, better than Greg Olson's stage of his career. Clearly, he doesn't have the resume of Greg Olson. Um, and will Bridgewater, you know, check down to McCaffrey or will the play calls be there for McCaffrey? So what's made McCaffrey so successful the last two years is really his receiving numbers, um, being the first running back ever to have back-to-back 100-yard catch season, 100, excuse me, 100 catch seasons. Um, so, you know, I don't think this – I think the thing you build in with these guys at the top of the draft, and, and Heath talks about this a lot, is – where do they fall if they fail? So if they fall from running back one to running back five, is that a complete failure? And are you like completely disappointed that you didn't take Barkley or Zeke or, or Kamara? Or did he fall to running back 20 or 25 or worse, like David Johnson last year, you know, where he was a first round pick and then just completely fell off the map. I think that's the question you have to ask yourself when you're drafting these guys. And so um, I think barring injury, McCaffrey should finish as at least a top 10 running back, even if things go completely off the rails for him. 
And I, I, one other thing that I didn't say, they ran 1,077 plays last year. They were one of the more higher-paced offenses in the league. And tr- what we've seen over the last couple of years is first-time play callers are often a little bit slower. And that may be even more true without the offseason. So they could they could run 80 fewer plays. That might be 40 fewer touches right there. Okay. Uh, you know, if you're curious, I was curious. The Teddy Bridgewater throw to his running backs. I just looked at what he did last year. Uh, yes, he threw to Alvin Kamara quite a bit. Alvin Kamara was on pace for like 83 catches in the five games he played with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. That's typically where Alvin Kamara is. He has 81 catches every year. Um, and uh, so that was good. And then Kamara missed one game. And Latavius Murray had five catches in that game for 31 yards. So we did see that at least last year when Bridgewater was was playing the five starts in the one game that he took over for Breeze. He threw a lot to the running backs. All right, so let's go to Saquon Barkley. This is half PPR average draft position, by the way. So, in fact, all th- all of the top three picks, according to Fantasy Pros, have new coaching staffs because Ezekiel Elliott is number three. He does have the same offensive coordinator, though. Uh, but Barkley, what could go wrong for him? Well, there's a new offense, new coaching staff. They just lost their left tackle. What I noticed, though, um, the last six games of the season, he was on pace for only 51 catches, and that's when... Basically, everyone was healthy. I think only one of the wide receivers, I think it was Golden Tate, missed one game, and Shepard and Slayton played all six. Now, Evan Ingram didn't play, but Caden Smith got a ton of targets. So uh, I do worry, uh, I don't know worry, but I wonder about the catches with Saquon Barkley. Jamie, what, if anything, scares you with Barkley? Uh, What could go wrong? Uh, You said it, the receiving totals. You know, he was uh, 80-catch guy his rookie season, and that was with Eli Manning being a statue back there. And so now you have Daniel Jones, with all these mouths to feed and he's going to run. So, you know, I think that's the concern is that you're getting a guy who could be, I don't think this is going to happen, but you know, maybe closer to Derrick Henry than he is to Christian McCaffrey. And so that would be not a horrible thing if you get Derrick Henry from a year ago, but if you get, you know, a guy that's under 50 catches, that's not the allure. And that's why you would probably pass on him for Ezekiel Elliott. Like I know Dave would. So, um, I think the the pro Barkley uh, fantasy manager is hoping for north of 50 catches, which would still be exceptional. It wouldn't be to the level of McCaffrey or even Kamara based on what he can do as a, as a receiver. But yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed on a team that's probably going to be trailing a lot. And so if they're throwing and not throwing to him, that could be a little bit frustrating. I don't, again, I don't think that'll be the case, but that's clearly the concern. He only averaged 5.6 targets per game last year in games that Daniel Jones started and only had three games with Jones where he was over five targets. So I do think that that you should expect him to not catch as many passes as he – like, I don't know that 2018 upside is really there. And then the other problem would be if the offensive line is bad and he doesn't average – like, what if he's like 4.2 yards per carry and he's only catching 55 passes and they don't score a bunch of points so he doesn't have a ton of touchdowns? I think there's a risk that he's not a top-five running back. He only scored eight touchdowns in 13 games last year. Uh, He was – basically the number six running back on a per game basis. He was number seven in PPR. Of course, when you do the per game, it factors in the the Bucks game. He had eight carries for 10 yards, four catches in that game. Um, all right, that's Saquon Barkley. Anything else you guys want to add about him? Oh, you know what? One other thing about the catches that I want to bring up. They've got Deion Lewis now. The previous two seasons, Wayne Gallman had the second most catches of a Giants running back behind Barkley. He had 15 in 2018. He had 11 in 2019. Does does Deion Lewis factor in? Could he get? I mean, you say that he he Gallman had eleven. Barkley missed three games. So that should tell you something. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, Gallman got hurt though. Right. I'm just saying like they haven't thrown how many, in any how other. How did John Hillman have? Less than eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't worry about Deion Lewis as the Tennessee experiment showed us. Okay. Uh Ezekiel Elliott. So here's where he has finished per game in four seasons. In non PPR, third, second, eighth, and fifth. In PPR, third, third, sixth, and fifth. And a couple years ago, outside the top five per game, had a little bad luck with touchdowns. But uh he's been a stud. He's been super consistent. He feels super safe. Heath, what could go wrong with Ezekiel Elliott? I kind of think his really high touchdown rate from last year is disguising the difference in his usage in Kellen Moore's offense. He saw 10% fewer carries per game than he has at any point in his career. I believe it was the first time he was below 20 carries per game, but he was down around 18. He also saw his targets go back to where they were before 2018. So I, I don't think he's necessarily going to be amongst the league leaders in terms of carries or total touches or he'll be amongst the leader league leaders i don't think he's going to lead the nfl in either of those and if he goes back to a year where we have and we had three straight years where dak prescott stole six rushing touchdowns from zeke and his rushing touchdown totals weren't great so that would be the risk you take away just one touchdown from last year and he's the number six running back on a per game basis. And then you get the Tony Pollard issue. They haven't really had a good explosive second back. I wouldn't be surprised if Pollard gets one or two more touches per game than he did last year. And Zeke's looking at uh, 17 carries per game and only catching 45 passes. Have we reached like, have we actually uncovered a, a legit concern so far? Or are these just sort of like, eh, whatever, it could happen, but no big deal? With any of these guys? Yeah, or is he- with any of them. I mean, they're, they're slight concerns, I would say. You know, this, if they were bigger concerns, I think, you know, hopefully we're all smart enough, not just us, but as an industry, to have these guys lower. You know, I mean, there's, there's certainly, you know, it, I've seen a lot of people say, for example, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you can rank him as, as high as the second player off the board because of what his upside could be. We talked about Miles Sanders, what his upside could be. Um, you know, if you're in the Joe Mixon camp, you could probably make an argument that he could go at this point. Derrick Henry can go at this point, you know, so... These guys are elite level running backs for a reason. So I, I think we're, we're nitpicking. I, the only thing I would add to uh, Zeke would be, you know, the offensive line, they're replacing two new starters, um, you know, missing Travis Frederick. Uh, you know, we did see Zeke while he did have a fantastic season that while Frederick was sidelined with uh, his illness, um, he did have only six touchdowns. And I think he averaged uh, 95. I'm looking at right here, 95.6 yards per game. Uh, it was a slight decline from his season the year before. All right. Uh, Alvin Kamara is fourth in Fantasy Pros ADP. And on a per-game basis, he was 15th in non-PPR. He was eighth in PPR. And he got hurt, missed some time. And I think, you know, if you had asked this question a year ago, which we did, how could this guy be a bust? I, maybe you would have said his touchdown rate would go down, and it did. He didn't score that many touchdowns. Uh, Jamie, what scares you with Alvin Kamara, if anything? What could go wrong for Kamara? The touchdowns, you know, I mean, and he's he's not going to be a guy that's going to be, you know, 1,500 yards on the ground unless the, the Saints completely change their strategy and how they operate. But I think, you know, the the thing with Kamara is, um, you know, what how much work would they give Latavius Murray also maybe to sort of save him, spare him a little bit. You know, maybe they realize that he's not a guy that should have that much work if he's going to deal with some nagging injuries um, because when he was at his best, he was with somebody else. Um, in terms of his season-long production, clearly we, we saw some four-team sample sizes when Mark Ingram was suspended that he was awesome uh, and last year to start the season as well. But, you know, it could be the coaching staff just wanting to rein him in a little bit. But 
you know, they retooled their offensive line. Cesar Ruiz, I think, is going to be a nice addition. And, um, you know, uh, if, if he's healthy, he could be the number one back. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I, I think for him, it's just, and we've seen most of his career, he's been just like superhuman in terms of efficiency. After that rookie year, we were saying, well, there's no way that he can average 10 yards per reception and five yards per carry. And he didn't the next year, but he scored like 100 touchdowns, so it didn't matter. And last year was the first year where we saw when he did get hurt, and that was probably part of it, where he didn't have the elite efficiency and he didn't, didn't have the great touchdown rate. And he doesn't have the floor that Barkley and McCaffrey and Elliott do because they're going to get 300 plus touches. He's probably maxed out around 275. If it's last year's efficiency, even if the touchdowns come up a little bit, that won't be enough to make him worth the number four pick. You mentioned the touches. Would you say 275 is max for him? So far, it looks like it. I think I actually have him maybe projected for a little bit higher than that, but before... Two nineties. Before his injury, he was on pace for three hundred and twenty-three touches. And he got hurt. And he got hurt. (laughs) (laughs) But but and and in the four games he played without Mark Ingram in 2018, he was on pace for like even more than that. So I you know, that's what I that's what I'm so curious about is are they gonna unleash him like they did before the injury? Are they gonna sort of hold him back a little bit, Alvin Kamara, like they did after the injury? Um I wouldn't mind if they if they held him back a little bit. Just a little bit, you know, just to make sure that he gets, you'd rather have 16 games as opposed to this just four game potential. And then, okay, he got hurt. Two years ago, Taysom Hill had nine carries inside the 10 yard line. Last year he had two and none inside the five yard line. It's hilarious that the year that he had a more, that's when Kamara scored all the touchdowns. (laughs) So they just need to give the ball to Taysom Hill inside the 10 so that Alan Kamara can score more touchdowns. But I do the first three picks, I mean, especially in non-PPR, I, I don't even hesitate. But it, if I'm looking at non-PPR and I have the fourth pick in the draft, I'm nervous. I'm a little nervous about Kamara. This is where I finally, okay, like I'm not really concerned about the top three guys. Yeah, something could go wrong, but whatever. But in a non, strictly non-PPR league, if I'm picking fourth, is is he the fourth pick? I am. What would you take? I'm I would. Henry. I would take Cook. I would take Cook. You would take Cook. Yeah. See, for me, I'm taking Kamara. I, I just think that, you know, we've, we've seen him score 18 touchdowns in this offense. Uh, you know, for what we've talked a lot about this offseason, continuity, I think, is going to be huge. And, you know, in a down year for him last year, he still caught 80 passes. Yeah. So I think he rolls out of bed catching 80 passes. I don't care about Emmanuel Sanders being there and what's going to happen. He's in a contract year. So, like, honestly, I struggle with um, – Half PPR with Zeke and Kamara because in PPR I'm taking Kamara for me. I I think he's got a higher ceiling this year. Um, not that Zeke is is bad by any stretch, but I just think that contract year, the catches, the touchdowns could be even in Kamara's favor. You guys have said it. I agree. Uh, Zeke's floor is safer because of his rushing and his carries, but I think uh, you know Kamara profiles so much like what McCaffrey does. Like he could be a thousand thousand guy. Yeah, in, in PPR, I'm taking Kamara over Zeke as well, and yeah. in half PPR too. Okay. Oh, all right. Michael Thomas is next in ADP. He's fifth overall. He was the number one receiver last year. And uh, what could go wrong, Jamie, for Michael Thomas? Well, uh, you know, just what I said, Emmanuel Sanders being there uh, could take some targets away. You know, he's a proven guy, whether you think he's going to be good or not for fantasy, that doesn't matter. 
but you know, he's uh he's a guy that is going to, you know, at least draw a little bit more attention for Drew Brees. Um, Kamara being healthy. The biggest thing obviously is the targets. You know, if he goes from 180 plus targets to, you know, closer to 150, if not below, he, he came out, I guess this weekend, or, or there was a report that he's going to, uh, he thinks he could break the single season catch record again. Good luck to you doing that. Um, I, I'm sure everybody would bet the under, um, you know, he's, he's a great player. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, but he doesn't score double digit touchdowns. And if the catches and yards come down, then you're you know going to really be upset that you passed on Dalvin cook or any of the other running backs in the spot. I really feel like Adam should have just done this one. We've seen Michael Thomas with 147 and 149 targets the two years before last year. And he wasn't even a top five wide receiver those two years. It's true. I, I I'll say this. You take his efficiency last year, his fantasy points per target, give him 150 instead of 185, which was the most for a wide receiver since 2015, by the way. Give him 150, and in non-PPR, he's not the number one wide receiver. Um, In PPR, he still is, but I think actually not as good per game as Chris Godwin. Um, But here's the bottom line. In any format, if you take what, what Michael Thomas did on 185 targets and give him just 150, non-PPR, half-PPR, full-PPR, in three of the last four years, top four wide receiver at worst, based on the fantasy points he would have scored with 150 targets. So, you know, what what got me kind of, Heath, was like, he he was the number eight wide receiver. I think he was number six in, non-PPR, in PPR last year, or in 2018, rather, number eight in non-PPR. But... It was such a great year for wide receivers that even th- those fantasy points like were so stag were so great. It just he finished a little bit lower because wide receivers just went off in 2018. So once I kind of realized that, you know, it, it put things into context a little bit. So even at 150 targets with the same efficiency as he had last year, you're still talking about a floor of like top of fourth. <laughs> right. So yeah. Um but if he gets 150 targets, he might not be the number one wide receiver, especially in anything other than a full PPR league, but that's okay. All right, next pick is Derrick Henry. What could go wrong for Derrick Henry, Jamie, the guy who's not drafting Derrick Henry much this year? Um, offensive line's a little bit of a concern now, you know, with Conklin gone and their rookie uh, not healthy, so we could see that being a problem. Wear and tear is a concern for me, you know, for a guy that had 400 touches, including the playoffs last year running back of his size clearly the receptions are going to be a problem i don't see a dramatic increase you know considering last year with the same offense coordinator he had a career high 18 and as we saw this is more ppr i haven't done the numbers in in non-ppr in his first eight games he was only averaging 13 and a half ppr points per game he clearly was a monster in the second half of the season and that's the guy you hope to be getting um i'm just not sold that that's the guy you're going to get for uh, an entire year given some of the changes on the line and the fact again that his receiving numbers are not going to help him out in this regard so uh i also think that we're going to see a better backup guy i think darrington evans will be better than Deion lewis you know at what point in the season will that happen i don't know um but you know i think a younger back that could maybe come in and change some things a little bit with his offense that should help things a little bit maybe take some of the workload away from from derrick henry so uh for me at this spot in the draft i would definitely take dalvin cook uh, and Heath, I'll just jump in and say the first eight games that Jamie mentioned, if you want to talk about maybe what's his floor, he averaged 3.9 yards per carry in those games. He was the number nine running back in non-PPR, number 12 in PPR. Had 151 carries. 
in those eight games, only eight catches, scored six touchdowns, but wasn't very good. He was still top 12 in PPR, number nine in non-PPR. Um, so there's that. What, what is, if anything, concerns you about Derrick Henry? You seem to be the high guy on Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think the case against him is just a lot easier to make in PPR. It's not it's not difficult to say that Derrick Henry, and I, I didn't even make the case against Derrick Henry because he was not top 12 in our consensus rankings. So, um, but... <laughs> In PPR, the risk is that he, his efficiency just normalizes just a little bit. They're not quite as good, so they throw more, but his catches don't really go up more than four or five catches. And he's just not like he's not that far in, non, in PPR from not being worth this type of pick. In non PPR, I, I really think the only worry is that the touches get him down because I think he's going to get 300 carries and he's going to ever, I mean, even if he rushes for 1,300 yards, he's going to rush for double digit touchdowns. Let's go to Dalvin yeah, for Cook. Me, I, I, oh, I would draft him in the first round in non-PPR. Okay. Let's go to Dalvin Cook. Uh, per game, he was number three in non-PPR, number two in PPR last year. He kind of struggled a little bit down the stretch, was able to score some touchdowns, got a ton of work, but um, faded a little bit and, and got hurt as well. Uh, so, Heath, I'll give you the first word. What could go wrong? Everyone is a bust, including Dalvin Cook. What could go wrong for Dalvin Cook? What? Let's just, let's just take out the Dalvin Cook gets hurt like he has every other year as what could go wrong. But that is certainly one of the things that could every go year, wrong. Every year, not every other year. No, every year. Every year, yeah. Um, like he had, I, yes. I know, which I gotcha, Heath. The thing that goes wrong is that the Vikings coaches noticing this and thinking, you know, we'd, we'd like to make the playoffs and have this guy for the playoffs use Alexander Madison more than they did last year. And the other thing that goes wrong is that the Vikings just aren't near as good. They aren't as successful running the ball. Their defense isn't as good. And so Kirk Cousins throws 50 more passes and Dalvin Cook will get a few of those, but his rush attempts goes down. So those, I, I think the obvious one is Dalvin Cook gets hurt again, but I do think even if he stays healthy, there's some risk that Minnesota tries to lighten his load just a little bit so they can keep him healthy throughout the year. Jamie, that like Madison had 100 carries in 13 games last year. They ran the ball so much. Only Tennessee and Baltimore threw fewer passes than the than the Vikings, who were fifth in scoring defense, um, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they just they ran so much. So yeah, I mean, if, if Madison, even if the carries per game don't go up, maybe it's like just the total carries go down um, and he gets a bigger share. But anyway, what worries you, Jamie, about Dalvin Cook? I mean, similar to what Heath said, you know, um, and maybe Madison just does take on more work because he's he's a good bat, good running. It's like Tony Pollock, you know, the, like very similar setups that, you know, two guys that are ranked as top five or top six running backs have very good backups behind them that probably deserve more of an opportunity. In Dallas, it's harder because you paid Ezekiel Elliott and he's got that track record of just being such an absolute stud. With Cook, he's great. And he's showed himself last year to be one of the best running backs in football, finally staying healthy for more than 10 games. But Madison may deserve a little bit more of an opportunity to showcase himself as well. So uh, we'll see what, what Gary Kubiak, who's now stepping into the, the full-time role as the offense coordinator. Last year, he was more of a consultant. Um, but I, I think that's the only concern I have, really, aside from health. But that's the biggest thing with Dalvin Cook. It's just the health. You know, he's the one guy that you look at and you say, oh, man. He makes me nervous. Like uh, he went before I picked, I think in um, right before in this best ball draft that Heath and I are doing, it would have been a tough call in, in that format. I took cook in our magazine draft, our, our, uh, our magazine that's coming out the next edition. 
And it, you know, the only thing that, you know, like you, you gotta be like, I know Adam, like you said, you, you'd be uh, torn on maybe Dalvin cook over Alvin Kamara as the fourth running back. The thing I think when you take Dalvin cook, it's like you, you automatically, I got to get out of there. Like I just yeah. have to make sure I get Madison. And it's like, it's so stressful. <laughs> it's like, you're going through the draft process. Like, Oh, uh, is this, you know, you get past like round six. It's like, okay, it's now like, and I was playing a game of chicken. Uh, it was round eight. And I was like, I, I like Deontay Johnson. I needed a third receiver. It's three receiver league for PPR. I was like, I'm just going to take Deontay Johnson. And if I miss on, on, on Madison in round eight, so be it. Thankfully he came back to me in round nine and it was just like such a sigh of relief that you just have that backfield locked up. And we did this draft at the time when it was, is he, is he, or is he not going to report and show up on time? Uh, thankfully he did. So, you know, maybe you get Madison at a little bit more of a discount now, but it's just, it, it's not fun if you feel like you have to handcuff Dalvin Cook when you draft Dalvin Cook. Well, yeah, I got lucky like in the flex draft, he went, Alexander Madison went 118th overall. And the guy who had Dalvin Cook didn't even take him. That's a big miss, man. You could have taken him in the 10th round, Bob. All right, anyway, Devontae Adams is next in ADP. I, what what could go wrong? I don't understand. Like He's so safe. You know, I mean, he's going to get all the targets. He's going to get all the targets. Like, I think what could go wrong is that um, his quarterback's like we've kind of questioned a little bit is Aaron Rodgers skill are his skills deteriorating or is it just that he doesn't have any help or is it a combination of both? Adams has not been a very efficient wide receiver on a per target basis. If they only throw 500 passes this year and they just run the ball kind of like it looks like they're going to, and Rodgers is slightly less efficient. He hasn't had a 5% touchdown rate since 2017, so if he's around 4% touchdown rate and Adams gets 150 targets and only scores seven or eight touchdowns, he's, he's probably not worth a um, first-round pick. Anything else, Jamie, or is that basically it? I mean, I hate to say, uh, you know, I, I hate when this argument is made, like he's the only receiver on the field, so defenses are going to load up to stop him. But that's going to happen a lot. You know, he's going to have to beat a lot of double teams in this in this offense. Um you know, unless we get Alan Lazard or Reggie Bedleton or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, Matt LaFleur in his press conference this weekend talked up uh, Equan. I'm going to butcher his name. Equinemius. Equinemius St. Brown, e- man. Just call him EQ. EQ. Um, so, you know, that's something that you need. You need something to help him. I mean, he, he just needs a little bit of help to, you know, draw a little bit of pressure off him. He's one of the best route runners in the game. He's a He's a great wide receiver. He's going to command targets like he deserves, but he's going to have to do it probably beating two people every time. All right. We'll do two more. We'll do Joe Mixon and Tyreek Hill. That'll give us a top 10. Uh, we have a second edition of this coming uh, out on Tuesday. But uh, let's go to Joe Mixon here. First eight games, 3.2 yards per carry. Hurt his ankle in week one. Maybe that had a lot to do with it. 101 carries in those games. Last eight games, 4.6 yards per carry. 177 carries, most in the NFL in that stretch. And he was the number four running back in both formats. Uh, Jamie, what could go wrong for Joe Mixon? Rookie quarterback, uh, lack of uh, any, you know, semblance of knowing what he's doing because of no offseason, which hurts Mixon even more in the passing game. And, you know, he he doesn't have those those type of numbers that I'm hoping he's going to get to, so. You know, those those are two pretty significant things you have to worry about, you know, with uh, with, with drafting Mixon, which I totally, totally get. Um, and so, you know, th- those are the, the biggest concerns for me. Plus, you know, I, 
I keep saying it, and, and, and I think a lot of people that are pro mixing keep saying it, but maybe Jonah Williams just doesn't automatically make this offensive line that much better. It'll right. make it better, but does he make it that much better? So um, offensive line could be a concern, but certainly more the other two, that he doesn't work in the passing game, and, and Joe Burrow's got those rookie struggles. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Burrow running, like the same thing we saw with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley's targets. The problem is... Mixon's not coming from a place of eight targets per game. He's coming from a place of four or five. So if he loses that same percentage, it'd be a problem. And then the other thing is like, he's, this is what the number seven running back being drafted. Yeah, man. Like he, he went ahead. He's of, never been that good over a full season. He went ahead so of like Miles he, Sanders. He went ahead of Clyde Edwards, Elair, Josh Jacobs in the flex draft on Saturday. He could just be a borderline number one high-end number two running back like he has been the last two years and you will wish that you drafted a different running back <laughs> he he's one of these guys like similar to henry similar to jacobs similar to nick chubb that half ppr and non-ppr they're better it's just yep. it's just the nature of their games right now you're hoping again that mixon and and jacobs because i don't think it's gonna happen for chubb with kareem hunt there and we've seen it with derrick henry's career their catches are almost certainly capped. Whereas again, Mixon and Jacobs, it's to what level they get to of how much better they can be in half PPR and full PPR. But like, I like, I like Mixon and Jacobs significantly better in those, in, in those formats more so in, in non PPR. Um, but like to, to take Mixon over Edward Solaire at this point, I just, I, I can't do it as much as I like Mixon. And I certainly can't do it over Miles Sanders because of, of what his role is in the passing game. So, um, you know, Mixon is 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 going to be a very polarizing guy. I, I saw somebody tweet this uh, over the weekend. I apologize for not having it credited. Um, he has no fumble since 2018. I think maybe it was PFF. Mm-hmm. He hasn't fumbled the ball uh, in, in two, two seasons. Another thing to keep in mind if you want to be a downer on Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow is very good. He's a very good rusher. He had five rushing touchdowns in 2019. They were Three of them were from three yards out or closer. One was from five, one was from seven yards out. So maybe he could steal some touchdowns as well. Again, we're very negative today. This is Monday. We have a case of the he also Mondays. Threw 55 passes to his running back too, though. Keep that in mind too. Well, okay, but well, you mean 55 catches for uh no, his running back caught 55 passes. Okay, but I the LSU stats are in, incredible. Like, I mean, Justin Jefferson, I think the only rookie wide receiver that you know that people are drafting this year that had more yards than Justin Jefferson was Antonio Gandy Golden. Um, and he wasn't even their best receiver. And they played more games than anyone else in football, I think, except for Clemson. So, you know, like the LSU, LSU had the greatest season ever, basically. So keep it in mind. Uh, Last one is Tyreek Hill. I'm going to ask you this. Like, he's not a high target guy. You know, I think he had like 127 two years ago, 137 in his best year, 2018. And you've got these young receivers that could be getting better. And Sammy Watkins had a great postseason. Heath, are you concerned about maybe like DeAndre Hopkins last year? The targets went down because Will Fuller, you know, was more involved and whatnot. Like, are you concerned of that happening a little bit here with uh, the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill? Not really, because Tyreek Hill doesn't require 10 targets per game to be a top five wide receiver. And we've seen him do it on seven or eight pretty consistently. And he he can do it on a weekly basis on two or three. So like there's the concern I think with Hill is just that week to week inconsistency that is still a part of his game. And if that hits you weeks 14, 15 or 16, then it's really not much fun. But I don't, other than injury or off the field stuff, I don't really see how things are going to go too wrong for Tyreek Hill this year. Jamie, agree? 
Uh, I do, and, and I think one thing I know we're supposed to give the 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 negative for him, but you know they just lost a pretty big piece of their offense with Damian Williams, and what we saw from Tyreek Hill his rookie season when he had 24 attempts. I don't want to call him carries because he had 24 rushing attempts. And then 2018, when their offense was off the charts, he had 22 rushing attempts. Uh, and he scored four combined rushing touchdowns in that regard. And so if you need some sort of an answer to be creative with your quote-unquote run game, if Edwards Hilaire doesn't take over completely for Damian Williams and has success and the backups aren't good, then maybe he has a little bit bigger role in that part of it. So his touches change a little bit in that regard. So um, targets, yeah, are, are clearly going to be an issue for him. Uh, if Michael Hardman's better and Sammy Watkins stays healthy, maybe they they divvy things up a little bit differently. They lost a big offensive lineman, you know, so that's a, uh, could be a concern. But, yeah, um, it, it's hard to find a negative with Tyree Kill given how explosive he is and what the upside. I, I guess the big thing would be is does he does he cross over the 10 touchdown threshold? Otherwise, it could be hard to justify him in half PPR and full PPR as a first-round pick. Do you guys have Tyree Kill as your number three wide receiver? Um, in PPR and half PPR, I'd rather have Julio. Yep, agreed. All right, fair enough. That's Everybody is a Bust, part one. We'll do part two on Tuesday's show. We'll try to get uh, through 24 guys. If not, we'll have at least 20. So we'll start with DeAndre Hopkins and Nick Chubb, and then we'll get into round two. So, What's that about your flex team? Why, why do people hate it? I don't know. I, I really I don't get it. Like, Heath, you can explain. All right, so it's a flex team. It was 18 rounds. People hated that I took three quarterbacks. Joe Burrow was my third quarterback. He was my last pick before DST, so I don't really see why that's a huge deal. Um, yeah, it's three. Okay, you start two running backs, three receivers, and two flexes, and a tight end. So you can start up to four running backs, up to five receivers, up to two tight ends. I had the first pick, half PPR, McCaffrey. Then I, I really wanted Chris Goblin. He went one pick before me in round two. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was my pick. Uh, then George Kittle. Tyler Lockett. Marlon Mack. Brandon Cooks. Daryl Henderson. Darius Slayton. Matt Ryan. So my starting lineup is Matt Ryan. McCaffrey and Singletary. Juju, Lockett, and Cooks. And then I have Kittle at tight end. And my two flexes are Marlon Mack and I would guess week one, I'm probably going Darius Slayton. Oh, he's playing Pittsburgh, but like Darius Slayton or Daryl Henderson. And then I have some shot, you know, AJ Dillon, Josh Kelly. Hopefully they turn into something. LaVisca Chenault, uh, Reggie Bonifone to handcuff McCaffrey. And I have Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. I, I'm happy with the team. I don't really know well, why people don't like it. I, I didn't say I didn't like it. You gave um, me, I think, a B minus. That, that's a pretty good grade, Adam. That's above, above average. But the thing good. is, you are gifted. And I am in a league with Jamie right now where I was gifted the same thing. You were gifted Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. You get the best play. Like, you should get an A. And it kind of looks like maybe you went on auto draft in the second half of the draft. Why? Like, what did I- <laughs> the problem is not Joe Burrow in round 18. The problem is Baker Mayfield. Where like Taking a second quarterback would have made sense, but you threw away the Baker Mayfield pick. Well, I didn't know Joe Burrow was going to be there in round 18. Baker Mayfield was my 14th pick, 14th round pick. And I don't like I don't think you have very good prospects for having good flexes very deep into the season. Yeah. I mean, look, if I didn't take Kittle and I had a crappier tight end, then then I could have had a better flex. I could have had you know, Mike Evans there and and well, then you're probably going to make the playoffs. You've got Christian McCaffrey. Like they gave you a playoff spot. <laughs> But you, know, you just didn't rush your league like you should have. Here, here's the here's the the one pick I regret. 
Uh, Justin Jefferson in round 11. I should have taken Chase Edmonds, who could be a total zero, but could also win you the league if Kenyon Drake gets hurt. And Kenyon Drake has never really had a, a big workload over a full season. So I also didn't like your like six, seven, eight picks, I don't think. Well, I can understand that. Marlon Mack. Well, you didn't, have a chan- you didn't have a chance to get Chase Edmonds. That's when they're coming back. Oh, no, you're right. It was going the other way. Marlon Mack at the end of round six. So that was right after Ronald Jones. Um, Brandon Cook. You don't like Brandon Cooks there? Round seven? First pick round seven? It's it's okay. It just feels a little early. Uh, the next two wide receivers. I could have taken Michael Gallup. I get he that. He took Cooks over Marvin Jones. I know you don't like that one. You took Cooks over Michael Gallup? I did, yeah. That was a mistake. May have been. I had a little yeah, bit I was of actually going to take Gallup. I took, that's where I took Deshaun Watson. I had a little bit of regret. But the, the next wide receiver was Christian Kirk. Then Marvin Jones. Then Deontay Johnson. So I don't He's feel bad. Edelman, about, too. Oh, and Edelman, yeah. Damn light right in my eye. Oh. <laughs> And then Daryl Henderson, I like more than I don't, whatever. I I think he's. I, I like Daryl Henderson, but you took him where? Right after Carryon Johnson and Matt Breida, the next running backs off the board were Philip Lindsay and Latavius Murray. So again, yeah. I have no regrets there. End of round eight. It's a good team. Mine's better, but yours. All team. right, Jamie's team: Kamara, Aaron Jones. That was interesting that you went with Aaron Jones in the second round. By the way. Uh, I moved him up, you know, following the lack of offseason. You know, I can't keep saying that these veterans are going to benefit and not give him credit, too. You know, with A.J. Dillon, probably going to be a little bit sluggish. So I took him from the, you know, early part of round three and put him back in the back end of round two. Kamara, Aaron Jones, DJ Moore, Jonathan Taylor. Jamie had the fourth pick, by the way, in case I didn't say that. Terry McLaurin, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, Tariq Cohen, Philip Lindsay, Anthony Miller, uh, Blake Jarwin eventually. Jared Goff is your quarterback. Oh, backup quarterback to Deshaun Watson. Okay, so Jamie's starting lineup is Deshaun Watson, Kamara, Lazard. Yeah, Kamara and Aaron Jones. Three receivers are DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, and Will Fuller. Tight end is Blake Jarwin. Flexes: Jonathan Taylor, Tariq Cohen, Anthony Miller, Alan Lazard, Philip Lindsay. You got some. Yeah, you do have a better team than I do. It's just like if if Jamie would have had the gift that you got and then made all those picks after round eight that he made, like everybody would just give up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, I would rather have Daryl Henderson than Tariq Cohen in a half PPR league, personally. Um, I'd rather take a shot at Daryl Henderson being a, an every down bear of 15 touchback. Uh, okay, so there's that. Jamie took Blake Jarwin really 12th round. I have George Kittle, so let's not forget about that advantage. Let's see what other picks. Darius Slayton versus Philip Lindsay. I'd much rather have Lindsay. Why? Slayton's probably going to be on the waiver wire week three. What are you talking about? He got a 9% target share whenever he was, was a healthy. rookie. He was a rookie. Like and all of those guys are still there. Yeah, but Golden Tate well, is. I think it's like, it, honestly, on the he, decline. Uh, so this was the turn where Adam started to really piss me off. Because I took Tariq Cohen, and I was like, you know, I'm going to take one of Henderson or Lindsey. That was my, my choice. And yeah. I wanted Henderson because at that point, it would have been my fifth running back. And clearly, the upside, I agree with Adam. I don't know about Tariq Cohen in half PPR, but I, I see where he's coming from. I think if Henderson hits and Lindsey's stuck behind Melvin Gordon, you, you'd much rather have Henderson. So for me, that was the, the thing. Is, you know, when, when he took Henderson, I'm like, okay, I got to pivot a little bit. I need a fourth receiver. Slayton makes a lot of sense. Again, similar concept. If he hits, you're in great shape. Um, I, I was, I was going to, you know, make that type of move. 
And so he, he made that turn. I was like, you bleeper. Yeah, it was fun. And, and then uh, I knew I got him on Jared Goff. So when I yeah. took Goff, but he did it to me the round before when he took Josh Kelly, because I was another guy that I was like, okay, I want to, you know, swing for the fences type of player. Um, and he also took AJ Dillon. I'm like, okay, you know, it's, it's round 12, not a bad move to maybe handcuff Aaron Jones here. Let yeah. me make that, that pick. So he takes Dylan and Kelly with that swing. I was like, God, man, you're killing me here. All right. Well, thank you. I'm glad somebody liked those picks. Um, but you know, look, this was a, this was a industry analyst draft. Quarterbacks went very late. Lamar Jackson and Mahomes went in round three. Um, but the running backs, I thought Fournette and Gurley going in the first two rounds was, was very interesting. Uh, DJ Moore fell to round three to Jamie. I don't know how far he would have fallen, but again, like he's Chris Godwin going 23rd, DJ Moore going four, five, six, seven, 28th or something like that. Later than what we see typically in our drafts, I'd say. But that tells you with, you're going to see this a lot, I think, probably more so in industry drafts, but one, two, three, four, five, five wide receivers in the first 22 picks. Well, the draft that Jamie and I are in right now, um, I'm getting ready to pick at the end of round four, at the four or five turn. I got gifted Christian McCaffrey as well. Um, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, and Tyler Lockett are all still available. Are you kidding? Right. I mean, that's, well, I had Lockett. That's full PPR. But Ridley and Thielen went earlier. So that, that's wild. So who are you going to take? Ridley, right? I'll probably take Ridley, but I'm not sure. There's still one guy to pick before me. I'm hoping he takes one of those wide receivers. Um, Would you take both? I'd like the other guy that's still there, and he's like the only running back left that I think should have been taken is Le'Veon Bell. And so, I, like, round five, I'll probably take Le'Veon Bell in a PPR league. It's funny you mentioned Bell. I struggled with Bell in this draft, in, in the flex draft, um, Heath, because uh, he went right before me in round four. Yep. And I was like, I can't pass on round four. I, don't, I, I think I, I made it clear I'm not a big Le'Veon Bell guy. But with the way running back was going, like, he went right before me in round four. And at that point, it would have been my third running back, which was the direction I was going. Because at the time, uh, I was glad that uh, Steve Gardner of USA Today took Devontae Parker in round four, because that's not a pick I would have made. Um, I was actually hoping for DJ Chark to come back to me in round five because I knew Adam would take Tyler Lockett. And so uh, uh, Pat Mayo took Le'Veon Bell right before me. I was like, okay, thank thank you for taking that headache away from me that I didn't have to make. But as a third running back, it would have been fine. Well, like as an example of how much everyone has just agreed to hate Le'Veon Bell this year, the last three running backs taken in this draft, <clears throat> Raheem Mostert, David Montgomery, and Mark Ingram. Yeah, that's In a full, P- in a full in PPR. PPR, draft. wow. Wow. Well, look, Jamie. I, you said you knew I was going to take Lockett. I wasn't going to take Lockett until every other analyst in the league told me to take Lockett. As <laughs> <know>. <laughs> um, also, the best part of the draft was the, the pizza I had. My God, I had <laughs> delicious pizza. And then I asked everybody, you order a pie, uh, how many slices do you eat? Jake Seeley said like two or three. And I was like, God, that is weak. Everybody got on him for that. But Jake, thank you yeah. for organizing the, the Flex Leagues and thank you for inviting me back. We were uh, we were on Zoom and Adam texted me. He goes, "I'm going to try not to speak." <laughs> and then Jamie said, "Me too." And then I just derailed the conversation with pizza talk. And uh, I just want y'all to know, I think my team sucks, but I won the flex. I lost in the finals two years ago, and I won last year. I won the consolation bracket, but I still won. I won something. So that is all you need to know. Everyone is a bus part two coming up on Tuesday for Jamie and for Heath. I'm Adam. Talk to you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.